welcome back to Sad Girl Study Guides. As always, I'm your host, Amelia, and as always, I'm sad. Also, as always, if you hear any weird noises in the background, it's just my radiator attempting valiantly to make my apartment somewhat livable in the Chicago winter. But excitingly, Starting with the next episode, I will be in California for a few weeks for the winter break, so there shouldn't be any radiator noises. Instead, it will be the sound of my parents' dog tearing into the room as I'm recording. So, that's exciting. Also exciting, I finished my first quarter of grad school, turned in all my essays. Woohoo! So happy. No, but for real, I am happy. Grad school is going great. But enough about me. Let's turn to the subject of this week's study guide. Lucien Bonaparte, the first prince of Canino and Musiano. In history class, you probably never heard of Lucien Bonaparte, which is a shame because he was arguably the most competent of any of Napoleon Bonaparte's siblings. He was an excellent liar and in some of his portraits, he was pretty attractive. His study guide has a lot of him irritating his big brother, some archaeology, and two very controversial but very consensual marriages. Let's begin. Lucien Bonaparte was born May 21st, 1775 in Corsica. He was the third of the Bonaparte children and his parents, like all the other Bonaparte kids, were Carlos and Leticia Bonaparte. By the time Lucien is born, Corsica is very much part of the French Empire, and his father, Carlo, is doing fairly well in terms of working for the French government, like we discussed in the Joseph Bonaparte episode. Growing up, Lucien is going to be a lot like his older brother Napoleon and that he's super into ancient history because apparently that was a thing that Napoleon liked growing up. Outside of that, we don't know all that much about Lucien's childhood until 1784 when he's nine years old and he is sent to France to receive a proper education. During his time in France, Lucien will attend three different schools. He'll start out at a normal school in the Aton, in Aton, in the Burgundy region. Then he will go to a military school in Brienne, and he'll finally end up at a seminary in Aix-en-Provence. During his time in these French schools, Lucien gets a reputation for being really smart. He tends to be at the top of his classes. And unlike his older brother, Napoleon, Lucien doesn't have a problem learning French. He very quickly loses his Italian accent. And unlike his older brothers, he will never really regain the ability to speak Italian. During his time in school, the plan quickly becomes that Lucien will be the Bonaparte brother to join the church, replacing Joseph, who by now is studying to become a lawyer. All of that changes in 1789, when the French Revolution breaks out. In 1789, Lucien is 14 years old, and to protect his safety, his family pulls him out of school and sends him back to Corsica. However, 
this move doesn't actually protect Lucian's safety all that much because as soon as he's back in Corsica, Lucian pretty much becomes a full-fledged Jacobin. He joins the Corsican Jacobin Club, which makes his older brothers and his mother more than a little bit uncomfortable because the older Bonapartes tend to be more moderate than full-on Jacobin, and then Lucian decides that he's going to help lead a Corsican expedition against Sardinia. And remember, Lucian's only about 14 years old at this point. This expedition against Sardinia ultimately fails, but Lucian does not slow down in his political activity. Three years later, in 1792, Lucian meets Pasquale Pauli, who I discussed in the Joseph study guide. But in case you forgot, Pauli was a famous Corsican independence leader. He had fought for Corsican independence before any of the Bonapartes had been born, and according to some rumors, maybe had had an affair with Letitia, and maybe was Napoleon Bonaparte's dad, but no one takes those rumors all that seriously. When Lucian first meets Pasquale Pauli, he is obsessed. He thinks Pauli is the model for a Republican leader, and he thinks that Pauli's plans for Corsica are amazing. But then Pauli's like, eh, instead of having Corsica just be a republic, maybe we should break away from France and become an independent nation instead of just staying with France and being a republic. And Lucien's like, no thank you, I'd rather stay with France and be a republic, and the two end up having a pretty large and public falling out. Lucien will end up leading the Corsican campaign against Pauli and will publicly compare him to Charles I of England, which politically is a big no-no. Lucian's campaign against Pauli will fail, and partially as a result of this, the entire Bonaparte family will have to flee from Corsica to France in the summer of 1793. Good job, Lucian. But once Lucian is in France, he does not stop with the politics. He very quickly becomes popular in southern France because he's an excellent public speaker and he's a Jacobin, which is all the rage at the moment. In fact, once he's in France in 1793, Lucien meets a revolutionary leader, Paul Barat, who we discussed a lot in the Josephine episode. Paul Barat sort of survives the Reign of Terror and becomes one of the leaders of France post-Reign of Terror, but we're not there yet. The family ends up settling down in Marseille, Lucien waits to make sure everything's taken care of, and then leaves Marseille and goes to the nearby town of Saint-Maximin in southern France. In Saint-Maximin, he keeps writing, keeps giving speeches, and becomes more and more popular. He quickly gets elected to the local political committee, and from there gets elected to be the head of the political committee of Saint-Maximin. And he's doing all of this before he's even 19. Let's take a second just to consider that. Yeah, when I was 19, I was so not capable of being the head of anything. During his time in Saint-Maximin, Lucien is going to write under the pen name Brutus, and this pen name is going to be important later on. 
while Lucienne is running around the southern French countryside, whipping peasants into excitement, Napoleon gets his first big military win at the Battle of Toulon. Napoleon's win means that the entire Bonaparte family is able to move from wherever they were staying in Marseille to a slightly nicer place to live, which is nice. But more importantly, according to Lucien's memoirs, it's post this first win that Napoleon starts talking about how he wants to rule France and how he's going to do it someday. A few months after this, in May 1794, Lucien gets married. He's 18 years old when he gets married, and he marries Christine Boyer, the daughter of an innkeeper and the sister of his current housekeeper. At the time of their marriage, Christine is 22, which means she is four years older than Lucien. The Ponabart family is not pleased about the marriage between Christine and Lucien because, one, Lucien had not asked the greater family unit for permission, which is a massive no-no, and two, Christine isn't even able to read. She is much lower than Lucien when it comes to class. But Lucien loves her, and he refuses to give up the marriage. The two end up having four children, two of whom will survive to adulthood. The two surviving children are Charlotte, who goes by the name of Lulotte and ends up marrying an Italian prince, and Christine, who will end up marrying a British politician. A few months after Lucien marries Christine, in Paris, we have the Thermidor Reaction, a.k.a the end of the reign of terror. Well, this is great if you're a Parisian who's sick of the guillotining, or if you're the future Josephine Bonaparte who's been languishing in a prison for a while. The end of the reign of terror actually kind of sucks for Lucien Bonaparte. Remember, Lucien was a Jacobin, and while the reign of terror was great for the Jacobins, the end of the reign of terror is not so good for the Jacobins he pretty quickly realizes that the new political situation in France is not ideal for him. He takes a step back from politics and moves to the nearby town of Saint-Germain to help out as a military inspector and to just generally lay low until the political instability blows over. But it's not enough. He ends up getting sent to prison due to his Jacobin connections and he will spend about six weeks in prison until his big brother, Napoleon, who now has all of these fancy army connections, is able to bail him out in the spring of 1795. And Napoleon is going to do more than just bail out Lucien, because now Napoleon is technically the commander of Paris, and he's able to find Lucien a job in the army as a commissioner to Germany, which is probably better for keeping Lucien out of jail than letting Lucien run around and be political. Except Lucien absolutely hates this army job. He'd rather spend time in Paris with other political radicals because Paris is cool and is way more fun than Germany. During his time as an army commissioner in Germany, he's actually going to behave pretty abysmally. He gets into fights with soldiers who disagree with him. He's going to spend more time giving various political speeches than his actual job, etc., etc. If any other guy was doing this, they would either get fired, arrested, or both, 
but Lucien has the whole Napoleon connection, so after a few months, he eventually gets permission to leave Germany. Instead of heading straight back to Paris, which it seems like is what he wanted to do, Lucien decides to stop in Milan first to meet up with his big brother. But by the time he gets to Milan, Napoleon has left the city. So Lucien shrugs and decides to go to Corsica instead. Because why not stop by your childhood home that you got your entire family kicked out of? And as a side note, I wasn't quite able to ascertain what his wife and children were doing during all of this. I'm assuming they were just hanging out in southern France. When Lucien gets to Corsica, the political situation on the island has changed since the last time he was there. Pauli has lost power in Corsica. He had tried to ally with England in his fight against France, but that little alliance hadn't gone so well, and Pauli ended up getting exiled. So now there's a bit of a power vacuum going on in Corsica, and Lucien recognizes a political opportunity when he sees one, and he jumps in and rapidly starts getting political power in Corsica. And remember, this is 1795. Lucien is only 20 years old while he's doing all this, and as he's gaining power, he's getting to watch from the safety of the island as Napoleon is taking charge of Italy via the army. So that's fun. Two years later, in 1798, Lucien has pretty much cemented his hold on Corsica, and suddenly Napoleon rolls in and is like, hey, I'm going to go do a little expedition in Egypt for funsies. Do you want to join me? And Lucien thinks about it for a second and is like, thanks, but no thanks. Because one, Lucien has realized the army isn't really for him, and two, slightly more importantly, there's an election for the Council of 500, aka the French legislature, and one of the open seats is Corsica's seat on the council. Lucien decides to run to represent Corsica on the council, and he wins in an absolute landslide. So he's going to be able to join the Council of 500 and help govern France. There's just one teeny tiny problem. Lucien at the time is only 23. So legally, he is too young to join the Council of 500, but everyone who this matters to ignores this technicality and they let Lucien join because he's Lucien Bonaparte. Everyone loves him. He clearly is really smart and capable of politics. Oh, and his big brother has conquered Italy and is currently conquering the shit out of Egypt. So yeah, let's maybe not piss off the Bonaparte family. Lucien's thrilled. He instantly joins the Council of 500. But once he joins the Council of 500, he starts to notice that maybe people on the council only like him and agree with him because they want to, because they want to get into Napoleon's good graces. And Lucien isn't about that. He wants to be recognized as a smart politician in his own right. So he starts to withdraw a little bit from the council and instead starts to spend most of his time on the council just watching and listening, and biding his time. And to be fair, by now, 
Lucian is kind of busy. He and his younger sister, Elisa, who he's super close to, have decided to start a little literary and artistic salon in Paris. And the salon is going to be a little bit controversial, but more on that in the Elisa episode. By 1799, Lucian has become president of the Council of 500, even though he's only 24. And yes, Lucian is a super talented and competent politician, but in all honesty, he only got the position of president in order to make Napoleon, who had just done the whole Egypt conquest, happy. However, Lucian decides to ignore that little detail and act like he got the position because he's so talented. And he decides that he's going to use his new position of power to his own advantage and not his brother's advantage. Thank you very much. But then things start falling apart, as they so often do in history. By 1799, things are really not looking great for the Directory, aka the ruling power of France. They've basically isolated themselves from every other power in Europe, which, yeah, you don't want to do that if you're ruling a country. And then the Directory undoes the Cisalpine Republic that Napoleon had set up in Italy, which makes Lucien super irritated. Yes, he doesn't like being treated just as Napoleon's little brother, but family sticks together. And once the Directory screws over his big brother, Lucien is going to start screwing over the Directory. He starts to turn more and more against the current French government and starts realizing how incompetent it is. So he does what any brother would do. He starts to send Napoleon letters telling him exactly what's up with the French government and how incompetent the Directory is. Due to his position as president of the Council of 500, Lucien is going to take center stage during Napoleon's coup of Brumaire in November 1799. He's going to use his position of president to help Napoleon gain power. And basically, he's the only reason that the coup works out, because as it turns out, the rest of the council enjoys literally laughing in Napoleon's face. Basically, Napoleon walks in, he gives his whole speech about how he's doing a coup now, and that he's going to disband the legislature, and the Council of 500 is like, uh, yeah, no, we're not doing this. And instead, the council decides to vote on making Napoleon an outlaw for attempting a coup, but Lucien as president of the council, is able to automatically disband them, which means that this vote isn't able to happen. Then, through Lucien's frankly amazing speaking skills, he's able to get the soldiers who are supposed to be protecting the council on Napoleon's side. He sort of does a long con where he tells these soldiers that he will personally stab Napoleon in the heart if it turns out that Napoleon is a traitor threatening French liberty. It works. The soldiers join Napoleon's side, Napoleon gets power, the coup's successful, the directory ends, and suddenly Napoleon is the first consul of France. 
later on in Lucien's memoirs, he's like, oh, it was no big deal. I had nothing to do with Napoleon's coup, and no one will care about me or the coup later on in history. He goes on to say that his goals with the coup of Brumaire were to create a more democratic form of government for France because he felt like the directory wasn't democratic enough. And yeah, the directory was not democratic at all. But as it turns out, Napoleon also will not be democratic. He does admit in his memoirs that most of his ideas and goals for the coup were illusions and that he got outplayed by Napoleon the way basically anyone who interacted with Napoleon got outplayed. After the coup, as a bit of a thank you for making me in charge of all of France, Napoleon makes Lucien Minister of the Interior. And as Minister of the Interior, Lucien is going to be in charge of overseeing any future French elections, which means he's in a position to really help his big brother. And Lucien will continue helping Napoleon. During the next plebiscite, he will falsify results to make it seem like everyone wants Napoleon to be consul for life. And yeah, Napoleon was really popular, but the plebiscite results are something like 98% of the French population wanted him to be consul for life, and it probably wasn't quite that high. And very early on, it becomes very clear that Lucien maybe isn't so sure about all of this, he's starting to worry pretty quickly that maybe his big brother is becoming just a touch too ambitious. In addition to being Minister of the Interior and faking various election results, Lucien Bonaparte starts dipping his toe into literature. In 1799, the same year as the coup, Lucien writes his first novel, The Indian Tribe, or Edward and Stelina, and tragically, I have not been able to read this book, which has a fantastic name. As far as I could tell, it's only available in French, and theoretically I can read French. But let's be real, I just came out of finals. I did not have the time. I'm sorry. Maybe I'll try to read it over my vacation. The same year, Lucien also starts to write various romantical letters to a married Parisian socialite named Juliette Recamier. Juliette is one of the biggest movers and shakers in Parisian society. She's friends with Josephine Bonaparte, etc., etc. And in these letters, Lucien calls himself Romeo because Romeo Juliet. He's funny like that. And this relationship goes absolutely nowhere because Juliet is not interested with Lucien. She's faithful to her husband. And also because according to contemporary descriptions, Lucien was kind of gangly looking and he kind of had to squint because he was nearsighted. So all the contemporaries were like, oh yeah, Lucien was the ugly Bonaparte brother. But then you look at portraits of Lucien and it's like, oh, he actually was kind of attractive, especially compared to Joseph and Napoleon, or at least that's my opinion. The next year, in May 1800, Lucien's beloved wife, Christine, dies, leaving him a widower with two young daughters. So things aren't looking great for Lucien, and things are about to get even worse, because a few months later, in the fall of 1800, it comes out 
that Lucian had previously written a pamphlet that was super critical of Napoleon, and in this pamphlet he had compared his brother to Julius Caesar, which is kind of a no-go because of what had happened to Caesar. Even though this is not great for Lucian, it's super funny because Lucian previously in his revolutionary days had gone by the nickname Brutus in his writing, and now he had totally betrayed Napoleon, or at least that's the way Napoleon feels about it, and Brutus famously betrayed Caesar. Napoleon obviously is not pleased about the pamphlet, and almost immediately fires Lucian from his job as a minister of the interior. He instead sends Lucian to deal with Spain, because even early on in Napoleon's career bleeding France, Spain is an issue. During his time in Spain, Lucien is going to continue making Napoleon annoyed. He keeps negotiating with the Spanish government without Napoleon's permission, and these negotiations end up going really great. It leads to the Treaty of San Alfonso and the Convention of Anjou's, which gives Louisiana back to France, which, yay! But Napoleon is pissed that Lucien is doing stuff without asking for permission. Also, during his time in Spain, Lucien is going to become pretty chummy with the King of Spain, Charles IV, which Napoleon further doesn't like, and through his part in the whole peace treaty-making process, Lucien is going to get about 10,000 francs, which is going to make him pretty wealthy. In 1803, Lucien returns back to Paris from Spain, and he is going to remarry. He marries a woman named Alexandrine de Bouchamp, also known as Madame de Berton, who is the widow of a banker whose last name was de Berton, hence the Madame de Berton. Lucien's second wife makes Napoleon hideously upset because suddenly Lucien can't be part of Napoleon's plot to marry his siblings to every single European royal person ever, because Lucien has removed himself from that narrative by marrying the widow of a banker. How dare he? However, Lucien and Alexandrine are going to have a very loving marriage. They are going to have nine children who survive to adulthood, Charles Lucien, who will become famous for studying birds and who writes all sorts of books about birds, Letizia, Jean, Paul, who died fighting for Greek independence, much like previous study guide subject, Lord Byron, Louis, who became an expert on the Basque language, which is fun, Pierre, who shot a guy, typical Pierre, Anton, Alexandrine, and Constance. So Lucien ends up having 11 surviving children in total. Not bad. After finding out about Lucien's wedding, Napoleon is fucking pissed off because Lucien was technically supposed to marry a Spanish princess to try to solidify the ever shaky French-Spanish alliance. He tells Lucien that he can stay in the Bonaparte succession, but his children can't, even the ones from the first slightly less controversial wife. In December 1804, Lucien starts speaking out in family circles only about the whole Napoleon naming himself Emperor of France thing. He feels like Napoleon is going way too far, is way too ambitious. He is not 
a fan. Because of that and the whole succession drama, Lucian ends up publicly renouncing his brother and refuses his past imperial honors. By the end of 1804, Lucien leaves France and takes his family to Italy. Lucien will then spend the next three years quietly living in Rome, raising his family, chilling out, ignoring Napoleon. It's not until 1807 that Lucien and his older brother will reconnect when Napoleon tells Lucien that he can be a prince of France again and his daughters from his first marriage will officially be recognized as Bonaparte's if and only if Lucien divorces Alexandrian or annuls his marriage. But Napoleon is nice enough to say that if Lucien divorces his wife, the two could continue living together as like a non-married couple casting their children into sin. Lucien thinks a super generous offer over and says, yeah, no, fuck you, because Lucien obviously loves his wife. Lucien also turns down Napoleon's equally generous offer to have his older daughter, Charlotte, who by now is 12, marry Prince Ferdinand of Spain, who is in his 20s, because, yeah, Lucien is somewhat competent and a good father and sees the troublesome nature of marrying a 12-year-old off to a guy in his 20s. And as a fun classic Napoleon side note, Napoleon's original plan vis-a-vis Charlotte may or may not have involved not asking Lucien for permission to marry Charlotte off and just marrying Charlotte off anyways. So yeah, once again, the two brothers are not exactly friends. During his time in Italy, Lucien does, however, manage to make a friend, Pope Pius VII. So in 1808, when Napoleon starts taking over the Papal States and arrests Pius VII, tension between the two brothers heats up yet again. In an attempt to improve the relationship, Lucien sends one of his daughters from the first marriage back to Paris to live with the Bonaparte family, and she does officially get recognized as a Bonaparte and does re-enter the line of succession. But then Napoleon keeps trying to marry said daughter off to various European loyalty, even though Lucien keeps saying, please do not do that. My daughter is a child. Also, I want you to decide and control who my daughter marries. Then Napoleon tries to marry her off to a Germanic duke, and Lucien once again is like, yeah, we're not doing that. Napoleon is furious, sends her back to Lucien and his family, and the relationship between Lucien and Napoleon once again hits a low point. By 1810, Lucien is so fed up with Napoleon and it's gotten and it's getting kind of sick of Italy, so he decides to move the entire family to the United States, where they actually have fun things like democracy, and liberty, and slavery. He convinces his brother-in-law, one of Alexandrian's brothers, to lend him a boat, and they end up getting one called the Hercules. In the moving process, Lucian realizes that he might lose the art that he might lose his art collection along the way. And Lucien loves the arts. We've established this already. He had run a salon in Paris. He had dabbled in writing. So losing his art collection would be devastating to him. So he decides to send the collection to a bank for safekeeping while he's in America. 
And this ends up being for the best, because en route to America, the boat the Hercules that Lucian and his family are on gets captured by the British Navy, and suddenly Lucian, his wife, and his children are prisoners of war. The British government becomes convinced that Lucian was only faking being alienated from Napoleon for all those years, and he's going to the U.S. as part of a spy mission to get more American support for Napoleon and to convince the Americans to declare a war against the British. So the British government decides to keep Lucien and his family in custody. But during all this, the British government treats him and his family super nicely. They treat him and they keep him in a very nice hotel. And eventually, once they've established that Lucien is not a spy and actually does hate his brother, they let his family out of the hotel. And Lucien and his family will settle first in a town called Ludlow and then will eventually move in to a British estate called Thorngrove Manor in Worcester. As it turns out, Lucien is amazing at being an English country gentleman. He especially likes going bird hunting. And he will become kind of famous in the bit of England that he settles down in because everyone wants to meet Napoleon's brother. However, Napoleon is convinced that Lucien is in the process of betraying him and had moved to England as part of that. He removes any reference of Lucien from the French government almanacs in response, and Lucien won't be like recognized in France until 1814. While he's in England, Lucien gets super into astronomy and starts dabbling in literature again. He writes an epic poem about Charlemagne, which doesn't get great reviews, but it also seems like Lucien didn't actually ever finish the poem. He only wrote about nine out of the 24 planned cantos. He also starts producing plays for his neighbors, which is a whole thing which makes him popular, and he really starts liking the whole system of British constitutional monarchy. He feels like while it's not a universal manhood suffrage system, like what the United States has going on, or at least what the United States is attempting, because not all men in the U.S. could vote at that point in time, it's still a lot better than the system that France has under Napoleon. In 1814, when Napoleon abdicates for the first time, Lucien decides it's probably safe for him to return to continental Europe. He ends up going back to Italy, he asks the Pope to give him a title, and the Pope, who remember was a friend of his, agrees and makes him the Prince of Canino. As a result of this title, Lucien gets a ton of money and land, which makes him the richest of the Bonapartes. And now that Napoleon has abdicated and is imprisoned on Elba, the two become slightly closer. They really get pushed into this by their mother, Letitia, who just wants the family to stay together in times of difficulty. The two become so close that when Napoleon escapes from exile and tries to regain control of France in the 100 days, Lucien agrees to rejoin his big brother, and the two reunite on May 9th, 1815. As a way of thanking Lucien, Napoleon offers to bring his family back into the line of succession, but that never quite happens. 
and then Waterloo happens, and Napoleon loses once again. Even though his big brother has lost power, Lucien doesn't think that the Bonapartes altogether should lose power. He thinks that Napoleon should completely dissolve the French government and should try to hold on to power like some sort of dictator, which was kind of, for my opinion, the low point in Lucien's life. It's like, Lucien, you were doing so well. You were like pro-democracy and now you're pro-dictator. Napoleon's like, yeah, you can try that, but I'm exhausted. I'm not going to speak to the government. You can go and address the legislature instead. And Lucien goes out to address the legislature. And remember, Lucien is famous for his rhetorical skills. So he gets up to give his speech. But then the Marquis de Lafayette, hero of the American and French Revolution, also stands up. And the two get into a little bit of a rhetorical battle. And the Marquis de Lafayette ends up winning this battle. So Lucien loses control of the legislature. Napoleon isn't going to seize power in a dictatorial coup yet again. The Bonapartes have lost power. Briefly, Lucien does try to get the government to make Napoleon II, aka Napoleon's young son, with his second wife in charge, but that also doesn't work, and Lucien gives up. He's like, I'm done with France. It's over. I've tried. After Napoleon gets sent to St. Helena, the Allied powers of Europe let Lucien go back to Italy and continue being Prince of Canino, but Lucien's kind of annoyed at this point. He feels like the Allies are treating him like a fancy prisoner, which he feels like is completely unfair. He feels like that when it comes to all of the Bonapartes, he was the most innocent when it came to Napoleon, and that he was actually trying to limit Napoleon, which, I don't know, on the one hand, he did put Napoleon in power with the coup in 1799, but after the coup, he was kind of the biggest thorn in Napoleon's side and was doing the most to irritate Napoleon, so yeah. In 1816, Lucien tries once again to move his family to the United States, but once again, the Allies don't let him do this because they're afraid that Lucien is a dirty devil crosser, which is a fair fear. So Lucien ends up staying in Italy. He's going to live in Canino by the city of Viterbo, and he will live there with his family, his mother, and his siblings, Louis and Pauline. His life in Canino is pretty good, although he will have to deal with debt because most of the rest of the Bonaparte family isn't great at money stuff. As it turns out, there are a ton of Etruscan ruins by Lucien's Canino estate, and Lucien gets super into all of this. He ends up opening a little gallery to show off all the relics he finds, and then he expands the gallery into a full-on museum, and people come and, like, see the ruins, and it's super cool, and he's able to prove that there were, like, can, there were, like, pretty large-bred Etruscan presences in the Viterbo area. He also writes another long poem during this time in Italy called Cyrenide or Corsica Saved. In 1824, Lucien is named the Prince of Mussignano by Pope Pius VII, so he once again gets another royal title. Yay, Lucien. In the 1830s, Lucien jumps back into politics because this has never gone badly for him. 
He starts plotting to put Napoleon's son, Napoleon II, on the French throne after the aftermath of the French Revolution of 1830, since the French government is kind of shaky and there's a lot of popular French interest in reviving the Bonapartes. But then Napoleon II dies, which puts a bit of a damper on that plan. Still, Lucien goes to England in 1833 to meet up with his brother Joseph and to plot ways to put a Bonaparte back in power in France. Lucien ends up being much more like active in this whole let's get a Bonaparte back in power than Joseph, but by the 1830s no one's really taking either Lucien or Joseph serious in their plotting because the main power in the Bonaparte family is Louis' son, Louis Napoleon, aka the future Napoleon III, who I promise will have a future episode all about him. Lucien Bonaparte ends up dying of stomach cancer, much like his father and multiple other siblings, on June 29, 1840, at the age of 65 in Viterbo, Italy. So, for those fans of the study guide who prefer bullet points to a full-on lecture, let's quickly recap Lucien. Lucien Bonaparte was the third of the Bonaparte siblings. He was born in 1775 in Corsica. When he was nine, he was sent to France to get a proper education, and as far as we could tell, he was a really good student. In 1789, the French Revolution broke out, and Lucien, who was 14, went back to Corsica for his own safety. But as soon as he was back in Corsica, he began diving in to revolutionary politics and became a full-fledged Jacobin. In 1792, he met Pasquale Pauli, a Corsican independence leader, and started out being really pro-Corsican independence until he realized that Corsica breaking away from France meant that Corsica maybe wouldn't be a republic, and he wasn't so into that. He and Pauli had an epic falling out, and partially as a result of that, the entire Bonaparte family had to flee from Corsica to France. But Lucien didn't let that stop him. In France, he became really popular due to his Jacobin beliefs and his skills of public speaking. He became head of a local political committee before he was even 19 and started writing popular pamphlets under the pen name Perudes. Around this time, at the age of 18, he married the daughter of a local innkeeper named Christine Boyer. Even though Christine didn't even know how to read and write, the two were really close, deeply in love, and had two children, Charlotte and Christine. Things were going great until July 1794, when the Jacobins lost power in the Thormidor reaction. To avoid getting arrested, Lucien laid low, he even left town, but it didn't quite work because he still got arrested for six weeks in 1795. But then his big brother Napoleon, by who by now was the commander of Paris, bailed him out, got him a job in the army, which Lucien hated and managed to get out of, and after this, Lucien moved to Corsica. During his time in Corsica, Lucien rapidly got political power, culminating in 1798 when Lucien got elected to represent Corsica in the French legislature. He was only 23 at the time, which legally meant he was too young to hold the position, but he got it anyway, and by the time he was 24, Lucien was president of the council. But this is 1799. The council and 
the larger French government, the French directory, isn't going so great. And Lucien quickly becomes less than happy with them. He starts writing to his brother Napoleon about how incompetent the directory is. And due to his pos- and due to his position as president of the directory, Lucien hopes his brother with the coup of Brumaire. Basically, without Lucien as the president, the coup would have failed. Thanks to Lucien's help, Napoleon makes Lucien first minister of the interior, and Lucien continues helping his brother out. Until in 1800, it turns out that Lucien had written a really unflattering pamphlet about Napoleon, so Napoleon fires Lucien and sends him to Spain, where Lucien does do a great job of getting a peace treaty signed, but he does it all without Napoleon's permission. Then, Lucien pisses off his brother even further in 1803 when he remarries without Napoleon's permission and he chooses to marry a banker's widow instead of a European princess. Soon, Lucien finds himself removed from the Bonaparte succession and he decides to peace out of France and take his wife and family to Italy. Lucien will spend the next three years living in Italy, fighting with his brother about the succession and about whether or not he should divorce his wife. He decides that, yeah, he's not divorcing his wife because he fucking loves her. In 1810, Lucien is so fed up with it all that he decides to move his family to the United States. It fails. Along the way, Lucien and his family get captured by a British ship and are sent to England as prisoners of war. Lucien will then spend between 1810 and 1814 living in England as a bit of a country gentleman, which goes great for him, but not so great for Napoleon, who becomes convinced that his brother is secretly betraying him to the British. He ended up returning to mainland Europe in 1814, where he wobbled on whether or not he would support Napoleon post-abdication before being forced into it by his mom. After Waterloo, Lucien did want to keep the Bonapartes in power, even if it meant turning his back on democracy and doing a coup, but that failed. Post-Waterloo as well, Lucien moved his family back to Italy, where he would stay until he died on his beautiful estate in Canino, where he found all these cool, neat little Etruscan ruins. So yeah, that is Lucien Bonaparte. Overall, I would say of all the Bonaparte brothers, Lucien is my favorite. He's the only one who really, like, stood up against Napoleon, which is why he wasn't given a cushy kingdom to rule over in various incompetent ways. And yeah, he was kind of scheming and extremely double-crossing, but you sort of have to respect that. He wasn't always right, but he wasn't necessarily wrong. My sources for this episode, my research mostly came from Shannon Sullen's December 2014 article on Lucien, Gary Walton's June 2018 article on Lucien, and Lucien Bonaparte's memoirs themselves. As always, for a full list of sources and relevant images, visit the website at sadgirlstudyguides.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email the podcast at sadgirlstudyguides at gmail.com. Next week, I will be covering Elisa Bonaparte, the oldest of Napoleon's sisters, who was BFFs with Lucien, had all of the sass, and great taste in art. 
As always, you can financially support the podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sad girl study guides. If you're a patron, you get access to cool things like the bi-monthly tangent cast where I talk about people, places, and things that didn't quite make it in to full episodes and as well as shout outs and other fun stuff like that. If you want to reach out to me on social media, you can do so on Twitter at sadgirlstudypod or Instagram at sadgirlstudy. As always, the best way to help the podcast grow is tell a friend or subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and let me know how I'm doing. Read a review or else I'll be sad. Thanks!